Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN, reminding you it's never your fault. Brought to you by RAIN and this station. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Tees. I'm your host, Joy Tees, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter, also on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram. Lots of great pictures there, Saturdays with Joy Keys. So also follow because you could win something. I had an author on earlier. I'm going to be giving away her book, Renaissance Okoji. So you want to definitely follow and find out how you can win a copy. You can also see that I actually do send out the items or give the people the things. I, um, I, ask, us, I ask them to tag us so that... They know it's for real. It's not a joke. And you can see people have won gift cards and books and all types of things. So I definitely encourage you to follow. Also, you can email me. You have any questions or comments, Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. Well, today I'm speaking with this amazing powerhouse woman. I mean, she has done so much. She was a, a Miss USA. Um, she's been an officer in the military. And now she's a CEO. She's the CEO of the Service Women's Action Network, is the voice of all military women, past, present, and future. Uh, they hope to be like an advocacy group for individuals and collective of service women around, I guess, the globe. So this is Deshaun Barber. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I saw the story and I was like, what? This is, she's the bomb. <laughs> I mean, Thank how, do you, how do you, like, okay, first of all, you are you Miss USA, so that's just amazing in and of itself. Um, what did it take to do, to become Miss USA? What are the steps that you had to take to get there? So normally, or I will say normally, the, the way to go about it is every single state in the United States has a 
state pageant. So you have your, you know, Miss Minnesota, your Miss New Jersey. Um, and once you compete and win at your state level, then you go on to win to, to compete and hopefully win at the national level where you go against all 50 states and the District of Columbia. And then if you are able to win that, then you go on to compete at Miss Universe. And that's when you go against over usually more than 85 different countries. So you start at the state level, and there are even some states like the bigger states like Texas and um, Florida who have uh, local pageants that are somewhat like city pageants. Okay. And you can compete there and then go on to compete at the state. So it's a lot of tiers that you have to, um, a lot of levels that you have to do to get to to the Before you. Level and then to the mm-hmm. level. So what were you thinking? Like, I know, like, you're standing on the stage, and there's, like, what, two or three of you standing there, and, you know, it's, like, first place, second place. What was going through your mind? Um, I was just happy to be there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really did not think that I was going to win. Um, I, I 100% assumed that it was either going to be Georgia or Hawaii. They were both. It was me, Georgia, and Hawaii. So D.C., Georgia, and Hawaii, because I was Miss D.C. at the time. And um, I was just happy to have made it to top three. So I, I okay. really thought that it was going to be one of them. Um, I, we hadn't seen a woman that even looks like me or even has a similar background uh, to win Miss USA. And I know that even just being a – the, the way the pageantry is set up, there's, you know, your ideal woman that wins, and, and she's usually a, never a dark-skinned, you know, black woman. Mm-hmm. So I 100% did not believe that they were going to crown me. I think the last person, there's only been two of us, um, like, darker tones in the USA's and it was myself and then Kenya Moore. So I just assumed that it wasn't going to be me, for sure. And right. I accepted that to my feet. Uh, I think that for me, I had been competing. I started competing in pageants at 19 and uh, didn't win until I was 26. So it took me about seven years of uh, com- of trying to win my state level. So even just to make it, finally making it to Miss USA and making it to that that part of the the, the competition was, like, very rare, mm-hmm. truly rare. So, you know, women understand that have competed in pageants, they already know even making it to the top three you're still going down in history and you're still able to start a car driving by. Um, oh, that's still okay. really making history. So it's, it's a, it's a really big honor to have made it that far. So I, but like I said, I just thought about all the years and the effort that I had put into the competition and, and, and all this was leading up to this point. So I was just super excited and humbled to be, be where I was at. Now, you also come from a family um, of people that are already in the armed services, and um, is that what made you become be, go, go into the armed services, or were you like, no, I don't want to go, and somebody, like, what was that about? It was just like, I'm going to do this because my family did it, both your parents are in it? Yeah, so my dad, he's very persuasive, <laughs> and he's always told us that, he's always told us that, you know, you're going into the military after high school. Um, wow, okay. A, a suggestion, but a very strong, strong, strong suggestion. suggestion. <laughs> yes, 
and you know when you're when you're a teenager and you're 18 and 19, like you don't want to necessarily go into the military. You're 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 out there and you're young. You want to just experience life. And you know that being in the military is a very uh, disciplined space, and you don't necessarily want to go into that. Uh, mm-hmm. So for me, I was very hesitant. Um, but I knew that I wanted to go eventually. So I ended up getting on a military scholarship at my alma mater, uh, Virginia State University. And I spent four years on a military scholarship uh, working on their, working as a cadet in their ROTC program. And I went on to commission as an officer after four years. So it was a really nice way of being able to pursue my education, uh, be a college student and, you know, serve my country and, and commit to my country. So I thought it was really nice way of, of a medium or some middle ground for me and him. Do you think um, the discipline that you had to have, you know, doing like Miss USA, the pageant helped you with any of your military life um, at all? Because, I mean, you had to be disciplined doing all those pageants and getting ready and staying focused and things of that nature. Yeah, I think that being in the military definitely helped me with pageantry. I don't know if pageantry helped me with being in the military, though. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think that, um, if, if that makes sense, it helped in one yeah. direction. I don't know if it necessarily helped in the other. Uh, well, it's maybe a little bit, um, because I think that being Miss USA allowed me to be somewhat unique, and that's kind of what transitioned me into to being a recruiter, or not necessarily a recruiter, but being one of the cadre members at Howard University's ROTC program, um, usually, which is what I do right now um, as a reserve, as a reservist, and why they usually push me to all the recruiting events is because I can tell them my story and the, the, the people that were interested in bringing into the program. You know, I can give them a different perspective on, hey, you know, this is what I did with my service. Um, just to show them that it's not this, like, 20-year boot camp style situation, showing them the, the, upper, the upper level echelon of, of joy that can come out of being in the military. Um, when you went into the military, military do, you, do you think mm-hmm. that being um, a woman, and specifically a black woman, um, did that impact you in a negative way or a positive way? How did that impact your experience being in the military? How were you treated? Um, I think that every woman can relate to the struggles. I, I, I think I struggle more with being a woman in the military versus being black in the military. Uh, okay. Just because it, it, I hope that makes sense, and I, I'm sure every woman can relate that, um, you know, just being being a woman in the military in general, you have a chip on your shoulder, uh, and you, you have to be twice as good, work twice as hard, and, and be twice as impressive um, as a woman. Uh, just because mm-hmm. it's such a male-dominated organization. Right. So I, I find that my my biggest struggles has honestly been kind of separating myself from the Miss USA title because I think that the Miss USA title has really placed a feminine, uh, like, halo over my head. Okay. And I don't know if being incredibly feminine in the military benefits uh, a person's perspective of me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like it's one of those situations where they're looking for someone that's tough and that's this and that's that. They're not really interested in the girly girl 
side of, being, of, yeah. of my yeah of my life. And there are some people that are, but I don't know if it's going to help me become like a four star general. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what do you I think do, about women fighting on the front lines? I don't think it's gonna really help me in that way. What, what do you, you think say? about women fighting on the front lines? Um, you know, like say going into the desert with the guys and things of that nature. What do you think about that? Think, Is that something you would want to do or have a choice? Okay. No, that's not something that I would want to do. Um, I'm quartermaster, so I'm logistics. And logistics is, you know, something that I love. It's something that I decided to do when I went, uh, when I decided to pick my branch or when I do commissions. So that, that was always a goal for me to work in logistics or do military intelligence. I was bouncing between the two. But I do think that if, if a woman wants to be in a combat arms branch, if she wants to be field artillery or she wants to be infantry, I think that's her right. And that's why I appreciate it back in uh, 2015, I think, when the Pentagon opened up all branches, specifically combat arms branches to women, because at the end of the day, if you're not allowing a woman to try, how do you know whether or not she's capable of actually passing the camp? So Mm -hmm. I I think the main thing is it's, it's up to all these organizations not to discriminate. And it's discriminating if you are telling someone based on their gender you cannot be in this occupation and you cannot occupy this branch. That's 100% unfair. So I was very happy to see some years ago when I was actually right before I won the CSA when they were able to allow all the branches to open up to women. Now, this organization you got the job with now, the CEO, how did that come about? Was, um, did you know about them beforehand, or did somebody try to recruit you, per se, to it? How did you get the job as CEO? Um, how did that process happen? Yeah, I think that it happened by faith. No one really knows how I got the email because I wasn't initially on, um, and for those that don't know, I'm the CEO of Service Women's Action Network. And I became CEO in January, but I applied back in October of 2019, and I actually received an email from the their uh, mailing list saying mm-hmm. that the CEO position is open. But I had never received an email from them before. Uh, to this day, I always ask the staff, you know, who sent me the email? And no one knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has any idea how I got the email. Okay, so... Um, yeah, anyway, I went through and I applied and I, I went through the entire hiring process and the, the board chose to, to pick me as the CEO, which is really incredible. And, you know, what's crazy is that I was actually, right after I gave up my time as Miss USA and moved on to become an entrepreneur and, a, and an international speaker, I felt myself after a few years, like, feeling as if I'm not living in my purpose, uh, feeling as if I'm not really serving the community that I promised to serve, which is the veteran community, that's the platform that I represented as Miss USA, uh, constantly traveling around the world and doing news interviews and all these uh, discussions on the importance of supporting our troops. Yeah, sorry about that. My signal's not the greatest. But, um, Traveling the country and even as Miss USA focused on what can we do to impact the suicide rate of veterans, what can we do to assist them when they return from deployments, ensuring that they have all the uh, mental and emotional resources to assist them through their their internal battles. Um, so you know, you always, always hear you always hear in the news 
you always hear in the news about the military um, and you hear about them trying to get medical services and uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, you know, psychological assistance. Um, and it's usually men, you know, in these um, photos or uh, advertisements, whatever they are, even stories. And it's very rare that you see a woman. And so um, I think it was wonderful that well, that's why I wanted to have you on because there are women in the services. And you know they need assistance. And um, do you have uh, work? Uh, do you have groups that meet every week, every month? Um, how do you assist them when they come out of the services or when they're in? What What are the specific things that the organization uh, does for? If I was somebody coming to you, what would you do? Or how would you help me? Well, when Swan was first founded, they they saw that that void when it came to some of the resources and the organizations that offered resources to veterans, they saw that there were no women-specific services being offered. So that was really the, the founding point of SWAN. And uh, what, what we do is that we have a resource portal. And what we've gone through and accomplished as an organization is vetting. So we have tens of hundreds of resources that have been verified to provide women-specific services. So if you call us and you say, hey, you know, I was sexually assaulted and I need a therapist and I need to go to a counselor, we would look in the state in which you live and or find you a virtual counselor, someone that has been vetted, someone that we have checked to make sure that they're able to provide you what you need. So what it does is it cuts out the middleman you don't mm-hmm. have to call 10, 20 different organizations to get what you need and to find out whether or not they're able to uh, serve you as a woman. We've already gone through and, and done that for you. Uh, we now, also is this provide service legal free? services. Is this free for the person when they come to you? It's free, right? Yes, every resource that we have is free. Now, there are okay. a few. I don't know about the therapeutic ones, but they're usually every resource that we check does not have a financial requirement. Okay, good. Now, um, some do though. Not most of them don't. Okay. Because we know okay. that that's the biggest the biggest issue is financial hardship. Yeah. One of the things you also see are homeless um vets on the street and things and again we see men. Have you had to deal with women um vets being homeless, um, coming to you, trying to find housing and things of that nature? Yes, we have a few. Majority, majority of our, our calls and people that are inquiring to work with us are, are looking for assistance with disability claims, which mm-hmm. we are 100% um, are fully equipped to. We have legal services and uh, lawyers on hand and organizations that we partner with that are able to assist people with their disability claims. But we do have people, or women and sometimes men, because we don't discriminate. Everyone's allowed to, to reach out to us. Uh, that are looking for uh, assistance with homelessness, uh, domestic violence. Uh, they might be experiencing, like, like you said, financial hardship, discrimination, racism within their positions, their jobs, their units. Uh, so we, we consider ourselves a jack-of-all-trades. Whatever your issue is, we will do the best we can to find a solution. How long has Swan been around? They were founded in 2009. So... 11 years. Wow. So now um, you are, do you feel you're in your purpose now? Is this what you think that is going to 
Like you feel at ease now, at peace, because you were saying before you 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 weren't sure what was what was um, happening with your past. Yes, you know, and I I love speaking. I still speak now. Uh, speaking has been something that I just I found so much joy in. But I always feel myself, you know, like everything that I do has to be based on something I bet. So, you know, speaking doesn't necessarily do that. And when I saw the position opening up, I'm like, wow, I feel like this is, you know, divine timing. And it was just really awesome because now I feel like I'm getting back and I feel like I'm doing exactly what uh, the heavens has called me to do, which is, is just serving our vets, especially the, the most vulnerable of our veterans, which would be, you know, women and other minorities within within the organization in general. So, I, I love what I do, and I, I think it's a, a beautiful thing to be able to give back in this way. Do you see you making changes to the organization? Is there something that you're seeing in an organization you say, well, you know what, I, I think this might be a better if it was done this way. Do you see something you might want to change or develop or something or a program you might want to develop that's not there? Well, we have been – I told myself that I would give it a year of, of 100% or at least bare minimum six months, which I did, and I've made just a few changes. I told myself I wanted to give it a year of really just sitting in it, observing, understanding the way that they work, and then kind of finding the loopholes and places where I think we could do a little bit better. I immediately, within the first few months, thought that we needed a better digital footprint. So, you know, Mm. making sure that we are up to date. making sure that we're up to date and, and what's kind of trending right now is super important to us. So we've really stepped up on our social media and obviously with COVID-19 hitting, you know, social media is really the only way that we can communicate with our audience and with the community yes. that we serve. So we've mm-hmm. done a really great job at, at stepping up our social media and, and really making sure that we're, we're pushing out content that helps people understand what things are out there for them to use, what resources they can use, and then also what it is that we're doing. Because there's no one in the office that's able to, to see what we're doing, especially since we're working virtually. So right. we're trying to be as uh, engaging as possible. And, and social media has been our first step towards that. How do you think this um, pandemic has affected the women in the military? Um, Hmm. How do I think the pandemic has affected women in the military? You know, that's actually a really good question. I'm not 100% sure. I know that in general it's, it's affected a military in a way where they're trying to find a way to operate at full capacity but still social okay. distance and still put safety first. Um, I think that women being a, a marginalized group within the military uh, and not having as much access, you know, when it comes down to, to women's specific needs, access to, to, to health care and gynecologists and things along those lines, things to keep us with our, our, our yearly checkups, things along those lines is very important. Um, yeah. And I think that that's always affected when the military is affected in any way. Those are the first things that's cut. That's the first thing that, you know, looked over. Um, and, you know, it also comes down to uh, the fact that mental health is becoming a real big issue. Um, you know, I think that with the entire Vanessa Guillen case, uh, you, you have a lot of women that are experiencing triggers. And I don't think that COVID-19 and the, the unknown of how the world is going to, to transform itself after this pandemic that isolation 
and, you know, being triggered by the entire Ben Arsene case, I think is, is, is a concern for myself and my organization and making sure that women are thinking about their mental and emotional health during this time. And then now, also, that's a young woman. Um, I just want to stop you for a second because some people may not know about that. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the young woman that was found um, dead and she was a military officer and all her body parts and all that stuff. That's the one you're talking about, the Latino woman? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, so I just want to explain to people, yeah. We're talking about the same one. Yeah. Sorry about that. So it's PSC Guillen, and she was she went missing out of Fort Hood. Uh, she was working in the arms room, and they came to the arms room and found her keys, her phone, and all her stuff. And she came up missing, and eventually they found her body and then discovered through her mother that she had been being harassed, uh, but was too scared to report that she was being harassed by yeah. someone else within her unit. Um, so it's, a, it's an entire case about just, you know, women going missing, someone, and just it just being completely ignored and looked over. So that that's like a huge trigger for a lot of women in the military right now um, and a lot of women veterans. And then also, you know, domestic violence statistically has increased dramatically because, you know, you have people that people are, yeah, are around home. their abusers mm-hmm. more often. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So women are yeah. definitely Even, affected heavily right now. So um, child abuse as well. Um, just how do how do women mm-hmm. um, balance that? I mean, is that something people come to you about trying to balance that? Okay, I'm going to go out and be deployed, but I have children, and the guilt, or do they feel you know the, the feelings of guilt? How to handle them? Is that some of the things you um, direct them to go speak to a therapist about? And you know. We we always look for ways for for women to feel as if they're they're getting all the care that they need because oftentimes you know child care services and stuff like that is is super important. So I don't know if it's necessarily based in, in therapy. I think that okay. most women when they call us they kind of recognize you know their the, the void and being able to serve and still be able to take care of their children. And usually they're just looking for a resource on how can I receive assistance as a single parent or a, a, or a, a two-parent household where my sister is currently deployed, and now mm-hmm. I'm about to deploy. So, you know, okay. usually they're just looking for actual um, assistance with child care services. So when you wake up in the morning, what motivates you in the morning? What do you do? Do you drink tea, coffee? Do you exercise? Do you write your, your, your thoughts on paper? What, what are some of your little routines that you do in the morning to get yourself going? Oh, I love the journal. <laughs> I'm a huge okay. journaler. I, I love journaling. Yeah. It's like my favorite thing to do. Um, I, I struggle, you know, with carpal tunnel because I'm constantly on my laptop. So sometimes I'll do video diaries and uh, just store them on my laptop. I'll record them on my iPad or store, store them on my laptop. And sometimes I think it's good just to, with everything that's going on in the world, just to get your your emotions out. Oftentimes, you know, we may not have anyone to talk to about our emotions or maybe we just don't want to talk to anyone about how mm-hmm. we're feeling. So yeah. I think journaling or recording yourself just venting and then coming back later and looking at how you solved that issue or evolved emotionally from a situation. Um, you know, I'm going through like a, an entire uh, move and, and all these things are happening and I have to get my emotions out or I just feel like a volcano that's about to erupt. So I'm constantly trying to put my emotions either on paper or film them on video. What do you tell your new recruits um, from Howard 
uh, how, how do you tell them to prepare them for going into the services? I try to tell them to be realistic. <laughs> um, the, the military, like any organization, has its flaws. Okay, it's not a perfect organization. And I think mm-hmm. that that's one of the, the things that, you know, I mentioned a lot in my interviews about this again, where we're not condemning the military as a whole. We're condemning the error that they mm-hmm. made when it came to searching for her when she went missing. Right. Um, I, I think that holding an organization accountable is the best way to make an organization better. And I find that oftentimes people walk into the military thinking that it's this perfect space, and it's not. Uh, the, the military is not perfect, and the only way that it can become an organization um, that is really meeting the promise that it's made, the oath that we've made, is by making it better ourselves and challenging the organization and challenging the higher-level officials to do their best to make it a safer organization, an organization that really upholds what it stands for. So I always tell them, you know, you can make the military better just because you're walking in the military as a better person. So just don't walk in there with with high expectations. Walk in and understand that there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, there's going to be good units, there's going to be bad units, there's going to be good leadership, there's going to be bad leadership. But you have to walk in with the mindset that I am the change. And that's Mm. usually what I try to push them to to understand is to be realistic. Thank you so much. I mean, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And, again, that's why I wanted to have you on because, like I said, most of the things you see about military, you see the man in the photo, you know, dealing with whatever issues they may be, if it's homelessness or physical, um, you know, decapitation or, you know, mental um, issues. But, again, we don't see the women, and we don't see where where can the women go. Um, and you also mentioned that you could have men, so I just want to repeat that. Like she said, the organization does not discriminate, but I guess the main goal is there um, for, for women, and it's called the Service Women's Action Network. Um, and they are online, um, different spaces, Twitter, Instagram. Um, they also have their website. Um, the website is servicewomen.org. Again, servicewomen.org, and um, check them out if you're out there. If you know a woman who's in the military, uh, tell her to go check out the site. It has a lot of information there, uh, all different types of things. And if you don't see it, I think what they should call, right, Deshauna? They should still call, and maybe you guys can help them with whatever the issue might be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, Thank you so much for coming on today, and um, I wish you much success as the new CEO. <laughs> That's a great title. I'm the CEO. <laughs> um, and thank you, everybody, for, for listening today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, you can follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. You can also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And also you can email me, Saturdays with joykeys at hotmail.com. Again, thank you so much, Deshauna, and I wish you success, okay? Thank you so much, Joy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. All right. You have a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be coming on uh, next Saturday, which is the 15th, um, having some uh, more uh, authors on and also – 
I'll be having a show about breastfeeding. This is Breastfeeding Awareness Month, so we'll be doing a show about that. There'll be uh, one of the creators of Chocolate Milk. It's a documentary about um, African-American women and breastfeeding. And then I'm going to have author Sean Cosby on um, talking about his book. So you can tune in next week to check that out. Again, have a wonderful weekend. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much, but it does, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.